everybody, this is Pastor Joshua, lead pastor here at High Praise, and I want to thank you for downloading today's podcast. We know that this message is going to encourage and bless you. So I want you to open up your heart and receive what the Lord has for you today. And turn to the book of James, chapter 5. Uh, I had a couple scriptures, but to, to save time, I'm just going to read some of those. But I want you to see James 5 in a few minutes. Uh, while you're turning there, Dad mentioned our, our youth at the beginning uh, of service, uh, but I got a text uh, right at the end of worship. They have 110 uh, between 6th grade and 20 years old young college over there tonight for YTH. Absolutely incredible. Uh, they're having a great time. They're, they're worshiping. They're getting the word. Uh, they're having fun from 5 to 7, but then it gets serious at 7, and they're worshiping, and they're hearing the word. Uh, so uh, thank you, parents, who bring your kids. Uh, and also for, uh, I'll let you all know, y'all's kids have probably already told you, but they've got a thing going on right now. Uh, I think it's for the next three months or so. We're going to do it about every three months. Uh, they are, uh, for every friend, every visitor they bring on Wednesday night, their uh, name goes into a drawing to win some custom high praise YTH Air Force Ones. If you don't know what those are, ask your kids because they know. Uh, but they're really uh, nice shoes and they're custom YTH. So bring, get your, when your kids are asking you to bring somebody, that's part of the reason why. But you know what? If we can get kids in here uh, and we get your kids inviting kids to come to church, that's what matters. They're going to hear the word and their lives are going to be changing. Somebody say amen. 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 Uh, I want to talk to you. We're, we're, we're continuing this series on Pray This Way. Next week, Dad's going to continue the message that he was sharing. Uh, but I want to talk to you a little bit tonight about why pray. Why do we pray? What is the purpose of praying? Why is it necessary? Why do we intercede? Why do we do this? Maybe uh, you haven't been around a church culture that quite prays the way that we do like some crazy people sometimes. Uh, some people who are full of conviction and fire uh, and who pray with some authority. Uh, and the only way that we know how to pray is boldly and with a little bit of fire, kind of like everything that we do. Uh, we have a saying among our staff all the time, we say all gas, no brakes. Uh, and we're kind of that same way with our prayer, with our worship, with everything we do. It's just all gas, no brakes, because I'm not going to put the brakes on for doing something for the kingdom. We're going to go pedal to the metal. We're going to go. We're going to accelerate. We're going to go fast, and we're going to get it done. Can somebody say amen? Now, listen, obviously, we pray, first of all, because God tells us to. Uh, but I'm thankful that God gives us reasons for why we are to pray, and we can understand the purpose for why we pray. Ian uh, e. Bounds, anybody ever heard of Ian e. Bounds? He was a, an, an author, all right, none of, about one or two of you. He was an author in the uh, late 1800s into the early 1900s, wrote a lot about prayer. I think he wrote 11 books, and nine of his books were specifically about prayer. Uh, and Ian e. Bounds said this, he said, God shapes the world by prayer. The more praying there is in the world, the better the world will be. I know that's really simplistic, but it's so true. God shapes the world by prayer. The more praying, praying there is in the world, the better the world will be. Listen, we don't pray because it's some sort of religious exercise that we need to do. We pray because our prayers shake things. We pray because our prayers will shape things. And we pray because whenever we pray with revelation and with authority, our prayers are effective. 
Listen, it's not just words you say that are little niceties to make you feel good that you said your prayers. Whenever you pray, things begin to change and things begin to shift and things begin to move. Why? Because God has given you authority and power. God has delegated to you authority and power. When we really ask the question of why do we pray, we really have to go back to the original plan of when God created Adam. I know that may seem weird, but y'all just hang with me for a minute. If you didn't know this, the name Adam, it, it literally means human being. The name Adam literally just means human. <laughs> and he called him human. Uh, God made, made man and he called him man. Okay? God made a human and he called him a human. I'm going to start with this. Oftentimes, uh, the, even the word man uh, or mankind we see in, in the Bible uh, is it's the Hebrew word Adam, and it literally is transliterated. It's spelled A-D-A-M, just like Adam. So get this. Adam was a representative, or he was a representation of what God called man and mankind to be. And what he is giving us in Adam in the garden is he is giving us an archetype for what we are to do, how we are to live, but with clothes on, please, and how we are to walk in this life. Can somebody say amen? <laughs> Adam, Y'all are Adam with clothes. Uh, but Adam represents us. What God wanted for Adam, he wants for all of us. Adam is our archetype. Okay, what was God's original design for Adam? When God made man, he made him in his image and in his likeness. And he said what? Let them have, come on, shout it out. Let them have dominion. God said, let them, talking about mankind, let them have dominion. So listen, let me put it this way. Adam was created as a governor and mediator on the earth. He was God's representative within the earth. When God made man, he didn't make anything else in his image. The only thing made in the image of God was mankind. Man and woman made in God's image his likeness, and then he says, let them have dominion. Let mankind have dominion. Can I let you know that the plan of God today in the earth is still let them have dominion. His plan is still let them be the governing authority and body within the earth that I have delegated to be my representative within the earth. We don't even realize that so often uh, because we don't read Greek, most of us. And uh, if you do, good for you. Uh, I just read definitions of Greek, but I can't read Greek. Got a couple of friends who can. And uh, I'm slightly jealous of them, but I don't want to spend the time to learn Greek. Can somebody say amen? <laughs> but the reality is when, you, uh, when Jesus says, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. We read that church, we read that word church in our uh, 2023 American eyes. And when we see church, we immediately equate that with a religious term. Okay? But the Greek word is ekklesia. Somebody say ekklesia. And that is actually, in Jesus' day, that is a government term. It is not a religious term. It is 100% a governmental term. And, and you have to understand, Jesus said, I will build my ekklesia. And I, 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 this is my notes, but this is good. It does tie in. You have to understand the, 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 
What they would have understood when he tells them this is they would have understood the idea of a Roman ecclesia that they built, what the Romans called ecclesia. And, and Rome, one of the ways they conquered the world was by forming ecclesias. They were governing bodies. And when Rome would conquer a region or a territory, they would send in a group called an ecclesia. And what they would do is they would train everyone in that region in the Roman way. And they would say, this is the way Rome does it. And this is the way we're all going to do this because this is the Roman way. And that's how Rome expanded their empire. So whenever Jesus is talking to his disciples and his followers, he says, I will build my, the word he uses is not a religious word. The word he uses is a government word. And what Jesus is saying is he's really pointing back to Adam. It's what he's really doing. Because he said, I made man to have dominion. I gave man governmental authority within the earth to go into a place and shape it and call things what they're going to be called and make things to be a reflection of my image. And Jesus says, now you are going to be my ecclesia. And what you're going to do is everywhere you go, you're going to make it look like me. Everywhere you go, you're going to say, this is the way that Jesus does things. And this is the kingdom way. And you're not going to do things the way that you used to do them because there's a new order that has come that you are now to walk therein. Y'all with me? I know y'all are wondering what this has to do with prayer. Y'all hang with me for a minute. We're getting there. Okay? You have to understand the earth is the dominion. Let me put it this way. The earth was given to man by God. It belongs to the Lord. The earth is the Lord's, the fullness thereof, and they that dwell therein. But God said, I'm going to make man as my representative. Psalms 115, 16 even says, the earth he assigned to men. The earth he assigned to men. God assigned governing responsibility of the earth to man. Now, once again, I want to make something clear. When I say governing authority, I'm not talking about a Congress or a White House or anything like that, okay? This isn't political in that nature. There's a difference between political and governmental, okay? And I'm talking about being governmental, not being about political, right? This isn't right, left, center, green, red, blue. This is kingdom. Y'all with me? When God put, put Adam in the garden, I'm, st I'm going, y'all still with me? All right. Maybe it's a little heavy for y'all. Genesis 2, God said this. Then the Lord God took the, took the man and put him into the garden of Eden to cultivate it and to keep it. Somebody say keep it. That word keep is the Hebrew word shamar, and it literally means to guard or to protect. God put man in the garden to guard it and to protect it. God put you in the earth to guard it and protect it. The kingdom is here to guard. You know, God cares about the earth. God cares about the world. God cares about our culture. God cares about you. He cares about your kids, your grandkids, your co-worker. He cares about what's going on in our society. And God made man as a watchman over the entirety of the earth. Some of you may have heard that term thrown around by, by people in prayer circles. I'm a watchman. Most of the time it's just become a prayer buzzword. But it's really a lot more than that. A watchman is somebody who is made to watch over something. And God made us all as watchmen to watch over the earth. God made you his representation. Think about that for a moment. Just really let that sink in. God made you his representative in the earth. The one who holds the stars in his hands said, I'm going to make you my representative. I'm going to make you one who I've delegated authority and power to. Because listen, Everything that we do, we lay hands on the sick and see them recover. That's not because of you. That's because he's delegated authority and power to you. 
It's because of what he's done. Psalm 8, 5, 6 says this. You have made him, talking about man, a little lower than the angels, and you've crowned him, get this, with glory and honor. You have made him to have dominion over the works of your hands. You put everything under their feet. I really want to focus in on this, that he's crowned us with glory and honor. That word glory is a heavy word. It's doxa. It literally, you could define it as that which causes someone to be recognized for what they really are. That which causes someone to be recognized for what they really are. God has crowned you in a manner that principalities and powers have to recognize you for who you really are. If, if we could really get a revelation, it's, it's amazing sometimes the way that, that we think. We think of the enemy, we think of Satan, we think of demons as these big bad Right? Bad to the bone, scary, going to get you kind of people or beings. But that's not really the case at all. I remember when I was a kid. Anybody remember Carmen? Anybody remember Carmen the singer? Passed away a couple of year or two ago. <clears throat> he had a song back whenever I was, I don't know, I was probably five years old. He had a song called Revival in the Land. And Carmen did all these real, like, heavy storytelling songs. And uh, the song starts as this conversation between the devil and one of his minions. And he made a music video for it back in the day. It's actually pretty high-level production for like 1989, for a Christian production especially. And uh, in, this production, in this music video, I mean, the devil was like bigger than Arnold Schwarzenegger. He was like this gigantic buff, like wearing the deep V before the deep V was popular. His pecs were popping. Like you see like his, his eight pack he had, muscles were everywhere, right? Just absolutely terrifying, big and buff. But that's really not the, the image we have painted in, in scripture even of what the enemy will look like. <clears throat> it says in, in, one day they'll look at him and say, is this the one who deceived the nations? This guy? This puny, nothing, nobody. Is this the one? who deceived the nations. And a lot of times we think of that guy as really powerful. We really think of him oftentimes as the opposite of God. But he is not God's opposite. Because God has no opposite. Because he stands alone. He has no opposite. He has no equal. God is God. And the enemy, listen, you've been given, you have, we have been given a dominion and authority to even dispatch angels. And if you've been given authority and dominion to dispatch angels, certainly what do we have to dispatch and cast out fallen angels who have no authority and have no power? It's not you're just trying to hold on from the enemy. The enemy needs to be running away from you. And we've got to shift our thinking. He's not out to get you. You're out to get him. You're not the one who's under attack. You're the one attacking him. Jesus said this. Jesus said this, I will build my church. I've quoted it earlier. It says this, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Against what? Against the church. Now, a lot of people, I've heard people read that scripture and they read that defensively. That is not a defensive scripture for the church. It is an offensive scripture for the church. It's not the gates of hell or it's not, let me put it this way. It's not hell is coming against the gates of the church. 
and we're going to barely hold on and barely make it to the end, but the gates are going to hold. Anybody ever watched, a, watched like a, either a medieval movie or like a fantasy movie that's kind of medieval in nature? Anybody watch a movie like that? Like Lord of the Rings, Battle of Helm's Deep kind of thing, right? Y'all know what I'm talking about? And if you've ever watched a battle like that, one of the primary things that always happens in like a siege attack is if we can break through the gates, we can overrun the whole thing and we're going to take care of the battle. And they get those battering rams, and right? Until they bust through those doors. What Jesus says this, I will build my church and the gates of, the gates of shall not prevail against the church. So what Jesus is actually saying, especially in the culture that he's in, is Jesus is saying, I'm going to build my church. And the church is storming the gates of hell. And the gates of hell will not hold up against the church. It's not that the church is going to hold on to the end and barely make it. It's that the church is attacking the gates of hell and they're going to overrun it and they're going to throw it down and they're going to say, hell, you ain't got any place anymore and take the whole thing. You're not operating defensively. You are operating offensively. It's not we're barely going to hold on till the end. It's you've been called to take dominion and have authority and power because Jesus has already exampled that for us. Y'all with me? God crowned mankind with glory to be recognized as his representatives. Now, I'm going to go fast. I want you to realize this. Because you have been given and delegated authority and power, it means this. When we pray, there is authority in our prayer. In 1 Kings 18, there's this account of Elijah. We're going to get to James in like two seconds. 1 Kings 18, we find this account of Elijah. And Elijah prays for the rain to cease. Y'all know the story? And what happens? Rain stops for three years. No rain. For three years, there is no rain. There's three years of recession, no rain. And then Elijah prays for it to rain. And what happens? It rains. Elijah prays, no rain. Rain stops. Elijah prays, rain, it rains. Now, James chapter 5 brings us to this. <clears throat> Very familiar probably to a lot of you, but James 5, 17 says this. Elijah was a man with a nature like whose? Like whose? Like ours. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours, a nature like yours. And he prayed earnestly that, would it, that it would not rain, and it did not rain on the land for three years and six months. And he prayed again, and the heaven gave rain and the earth produced its fruit. Elijah prayed, no rain, rain stopped. Elijah prayed rain, it rained. And James tells us this, Elijah was a man like you. Elijah was a human being like you. As a matter of fact, we, we, we can be so guilty of this. We read Old Testament accounts of miracles and things God does and we go, oh wow. That's so incredible that God did that through them. And they were just so anointed. And they were just so powerful. And they were just so great. You know, they didn't have the Holy Spirit in them. They weren't baptized with the Holy Ghost like you are. As a matter of fact, when James says Elijah was a man like you, let me say this. Elijah, y'all hear the way I say this. Elijah was a man less than you. 
Elijah was a man less than you. Elijah wasn't filled with the Holy Ghost. He couldn't be. He couldn't have been. You're filled with the Holy Ghost. You have more. You, you have a leg up that Elijah didn't have. Listen, we got to quit at some point reading the, the Old Testament accounts and making them fairy tales or they're just great and powerful and mighty and God will do it through them, but he won't do it through you. God will do it through you just like he did it through Elijah. God will do it through you just like he did it through Moses. God will do it through you just like he did Abraham and David. God will do it through you. Look, somebody say, God will do it through me. Now listen, it was always God's plan to send the rain. However, he released his will into a man named Elijah to pray and see his will accomplished. So God says, I'm ready to send the rain. And he gives Elijah a word, pray for rain. And Elijah prays for rain. Now God could have just said, rain be. But God needed a man. And that man was Elijah. And Elijah prayed and rain was released. Listen, let me say this even. In, in this account, y'all hang with me for a second. In the account where, where if you know, this is also the same, same account where the, Elijah sends the servant to go look, right, for the cloud. They keep saying, I don't see anything. Some back seven times. On the seventh time, he says, I see a, a, a cloud the size of a man's hand. Now, we don't expressly see this written. But I just want to say this. Could it be? that Elijah prayed and said, go look for the cloud. And when the servant came back and said, I don't see a cloud, he goes, look again. And while he went to look again, Elijah's praying while he's looking. He comes back and still don't see it, go again. And Elijah's praying while he's looking. I'm going somewhere with this. It's just, I'm, I'm saying, could it be? And if, even if it's not, there's still a principle you can learn from this. Even when you pray, you don't stop praying until you see what you're praying for. You don't stop believing until you see accomplished what you know God has said is going to be done. You keep praying until you see the fruition. Don't pray once and just stop. Pray until. Come on, somebody. Pray until you see the manifestation of what God has said, you, said to you. Listen, just because a lot of people will become disheartened. They pray once and don't see it, and they just quit. But if God promised you something, you keep praying until you see it. That's right. Sometimes you pray and things seem to get worse at first. Anybody ever been there before? I prayed for my, you know, I, I'm praying for my prodigal and then I got a text with them just talking bad up me up one side and down the other. You keep praying until. You don't stop praying until you see because God's given you authority. And we don't walk by sight. We walk by faith. John Wesley said this in relation, in referencing back to Elijah. John Wesley, some of y'all know John Wesley is, some of y'all know Wesley is. John Wesley said this, God does nothing on the earth save an answer to believing prayer. God does nothing on the earth save an answer to believing prayer. You were put on this earth for God's will to be released through you in prayer and things begin to change. That's why if, if you're around us, if you haven't noticed, if you've been around us a long time or if you are relatively new, you'll notice a lot of times we pray scripture. It just kind of comes out of us. Even in prayer, we pray scripture. Why? Because whenever we pray scripture, we're praying what God has said. We can pray in perfect alignment with God when we pray the word. And we pray the word a lot. <laughs> it's also why we don't beg in prayer. I don't have to beg God to give something that God wants to give. I don't have to beg him to give me something he's already promised me. 
I've, I've literally had my kids, I'll tell them I'll do something, and then they come to me begging me for what I said I was going to do, and I go, why are you begging me? I already told you I was going to do it. You don't have to beg me anymore. You don't have to beg me to begin with. I wanted to give it to you anyways. Kids don't have to beg me for presents on Christmas because I want to give them to them anyways. Listen, you don't have to beg God to give you and release to you what he's already promised you. And he's already promised you health, so you don't have to beg for healing. He's already promised you prosperity, so you don't have to beg for breakthrough. Listen, we have to get out of this mindset that we have to beg God. You don't have to beg God. God wants to do for you more than you can imagine or think or comprehend. Because God, believe it or not, is actually really, really, really good. He's more good than you can imagine. He's more good than you can comprehend. He's not a mad, angry man in the sky who's looking to punish and hurt you. He's a father who's looking to bless you in an immeasurable way. Are you all with me this evening? I'm going to wrap it up real quick. How many of you ever heard the term intercessory prayer or intercession before? Probably most of y'all. I want to talk to you just real quick as we're wrapping up kind of about what intercession means. Because once again, I think it's one of those words that's been used so much that we don't really understand what it means. It's just become a part of charismatic, Pentecostal, full gospel vernacular that we don't even fully understand what the definition of it is. We just say intercession and we think that's prayer. But intercession is not simply prayer. Intercession is something we can do in prayer, but the two are not interchangeable terms. Intercession and prayer are not interchangeable terms. They're very different things. Y'all with me? The word intercession, once again, I feel like I'm, I'm, I'm said this multiple times tonight, but it's, it's actually a legal term. Again, it's a legal term. It's to go or pass between. To act between parties as the equal friend of each. To negotiate between persons at variance with a view to reconciliation or to mediate peace. Intercessions happens, intercession happens daily in courts with lawyers interceding for their clients. They are acting on their behalf. They are a friend of the court, and they're also a friend of the client. Y'all with me? And they're acting on behalf of each to try to bring some mediation and peace between the two, right? Intercession happens in contractual meetings with associates acting as a go-between. Intercession, once again, involves delegation and authority. A client delegates to the lawyer to intercede for them to the court. You with me? Okay. Romans 8.34 says this. It is Christ who died and furthermore is also risen, who is even at the right hand of God, who also makes intercession for us. That he makes intercession for us. We read that and we think Jesus is in a corner praying in tongues for you. But that is not what it's talking about. That's not what it's saying. Jesus is not praying. He is making intercession. He is the mediator between us and the Father. He is acting as our representative to the Father in heaven. When we show up to the Father, Jesus intercedes and says, They're here through me. They're here through my righteousness. That's how he is interceding for us. He is our mediator. He is the go-between. He is the one who says, they're not here because of them. They're here because of me. Okay? So now our prayers of intercession are an extension of his work of intercession. 
Our prayers are not, here, here understand the way I say this. I want you to understand the heart which I say this. Our prayers are not producing something, but they are distributing what he has already done. Does that make sense? Your prayer doesn't have the ability to just produce something. But what your prayer does have the ability to do is be the go-between, be the meeting place between the earth, between your family, between your situation, and what Jesus has already done. So whenever we pray, we are making intercession. The word intercession or intercede, it's actually it's, it's the Greek word pega, and it literally means to create a meeting. I know I'm giving you a lot of Hebrew and Greek words tonight. The word pega, it literally means to create a meeting. So you have to understand whenever we pray, what we are doing is we are creating a meeting between your situation and what God has already done. We are creating a meeting between your brokenness and his wholeness. And guess what? When his wholeness meets your brokenness, wholeness wins every time. We are making a meeting between your sickness and his healing. We are creating a meeting between your prodigal and salvation. We are creating a meeting between these things. And guess what? He wins every single time. So whenever we pray, we are interceding in that we are creating a meeting and things have to change. This is the reality. <clears throat> intercession or prayer is an extension. Well, intercession and prayer or intercessory prayer is an extension of the ministry of Jesus through his body, the church. Whereby we mediate between God and humanity for the purpose of reconciling the world to him making it in his image and in his likeness. It's creating a meeting between Satan and humanity, enforcing the victory that Jesus has already won. That's what we're doing. So why do we pray? Because whenever we pray, we create a meeting and things change. Because whenever we pray with authority, things can't stay the way that they've been. I know these situations that Dad was talking about tonight. I know with, with Pastor Chris in, in Minnesota, he told me whenever they started launched the Brainerd Lakes campus and uh, they started meeting in this building, he said, I, I don't know, I just have a sensing that this church that we're meeting in might give us this building. Now, that sounds crazy. If you really think about it, that sounds absolutely nuts. For somebody to just give you, by the way, if you haven't priced out commercial property, people can sell things and make money if they don't want it anymore and make lots of it today. So somebody just going, you know what, this building's paid for. We're just going to sign it over to you and go, here you go. Seems It is absolutely bonkers. But when, when Chris told me, he said, we're just believing for this. I said, well, we're just going to pray for you. And we have. We've been praying. We said, Lord, we pray that if this is what you want, and we believe it is, that you'll move on hearts, you'll do whatever is necessary. And, Lord, we thank you for favor for them. We didn't beg God and go, oh, God, please. Please, 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 please. Would you please, if you could find it in your ever so merciful soul. God. You have to get that in your voice, that goat sound. You could find it to, to do this and not destroy them, but instead bless them. Could you do it, Lord? Could you do it, Lord? We start praying. God, we thank you 
but you're going to do what needs to be done because we know what you've promised and we know what you've said. I think Chris had even gotten words about people. I think, actually, he, actually I did. He told me I prophesied to them. People were going to give them buildings. He said, Lord, we know what you've said in prophetic words. And we just pray in the name of Jesus that you've already said it. And if you've already said it, you're going to do it, and we don't have to worry about it. And they didn't have to go, they didn't have to go lobby. They didn't have to go push for it. They just called them one day and said, hey, the board voted today, and we want to give you this building. But listen, listen, here, here's the thing. Here's where I'm going with this. Think about this for a second. There are people that are praying, and they are causing a meeting between God's will and what he's already said and then us people here on the earth and creating a meeting to enforce the will of God. We're not creating his will. We're enforcing what he already wants to do. Does this make sense to you? So whenever you pray, you are enforcing the will of God within the earth. Listen, the Father, think about this. And, and there's a lot of theological reasons for this, and I don't want to go into it. But whenever the Father was, was reconciling the world unto himself, he sent Jesus as a man. As a human, when, when the father needed a representative on the earth, he sent a human. He sent a man. Whenever Jesus needed his representative to be the church within the earth, he raised up men and women to be his representatives in the earth. And listen, you are still part of that same thing that Jesus, when over 2,000 years ago, when he said, I will build my church, he wasn't just talking about the church in Acts. He's talking about you. He's talking about me. He's talking about high praise. And listen, our authority now comes from being the sent ones from Jesus. This is the reality. Jesus is the victor, and we are the enforcers. Jesus is the redeemer, and we're the releasers. Jesus is the head, and we are the body. And through our prayer, we mediate and release what God wants to do in the earth right now. So why do we pray? Because we want to release what God wants to do in the earth. Because God needs us. I understand the way I say that. God needs us to release his will within the earth. You're not useless. God didn't just, didn't just save you to keep you from hell. He saved you because there's something for you to do. Because he needs you now. He needs you now. He needs you to enforce his will in the earth. Some of y'all have a hard time with that. The fact that God could actually need you. Y'all believe God loves you, but you're not sure if he needs you. God needs you. And he wants you for his will to be released in the earth. Stand up to your feet. Did you get something out of this tonight? We just lift your hands to heaven. <clears throat> just lift your hands to heaven. Father, we thank you tonight. Just repeat after me. Say, Father, I thank you tonight that I am your ambassador within the earth. I thank you tonight that as I pray, I have authority and I have power to release the will of God and to see things change, to see things shift, to see things shaped by your word, your will, and your way. I thank you tonight, Father, that even things that we pray are happening, that it's released, that I don't have to beg because it's your will. And if it's your will, you want to do it. I thank you for it tonight. In Jesus' name, and everybody says, amen. Will you give the Lord a hand of praise tonight? Come on, give him a shout. Thanks again for downloading this podcast. We trust that this message has blessed, encouraged, and edified you. Make sure you subscribe so you never miss a message here from High Praise. Also, you can follow us on social media, on Facebook, and on Instagram. And don't forget to go subscribe to our YouTube channel. We'll be back soon with another incredible message. God bless you and have a great week.